All right, y'all are awake. I love it. I love it. My name is Glenn Griner. I'm privileged to be on staff here at Union Chapel. I love, love, love being one of your pastors. And I really love this series that we've been on. The whole, the whole thing about, you know, experiencing God is what Psalm 23 is all about. And one of the things that we're doing is we're unpacking this kind of sentence by sentence or phrase by phrase. And I hope you've had a chance to maybe read it, you know, on, on almost every day. Maybe you've got it on your phone. Maybe you've been listening to it. Maybe you've been praying through it, as Pastor Christopher encouraged us to do last week. Um, this psalm has transforming power for you and for me. And I want you to know that God is with you. He is your good shepherd, and he's by your side. One of the things that we're doing for this series is we're standing to our feet together to read God's word, which we always do. So if you're able, please join me on your feet, and you're going to help me. You're going to read out loud with me. Here we go. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This whole series is entitled Life Without Lack. And truly, Psalm 23 and our lives in general, they hinge on the fact that God has all that you want, all that you could ever need. And so when we realize that the focus is our good shepherd and that our life doesn't need anything else when we truly have him, that's what this whole passage is all about. I wanna give you a little bit of background on Psalm 23. And so scholars suggest that David wrote Psalm 23 when he was on the run. Either he was on the run from King Saul who was trying to kill him before he was anointed king. That was really, really bad. And also he could have written it when he was on the run from his own son, Absalom, who wanted to take his father David's life so that he could have the throne. Either way, David was going through some pretty tough times. There was a smear campaign that went across the nation. So this, the hero who killed Goliath, he was being despised and rejected. And on top of that, his wife had left him for someone else. So I want you to know that as you read this psalm, it's for you. If you are exhausted or stressed, this psalm has what you need. If you're anxious and afraid, you can find contentment and peace in these words and in God's presence. Or maybe you doubt that God even knows you exist or cares about you or is with you. Friends, this psalm will help you, like nothing else, connect with God. And so the focus of this second sentence, which we're going to unpack phrase by phrase today, it's all about connecting with God, letting God restore your soul. I want to put the first phrase up on the screen. It says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I mean, you can already feel relaxed just hearing those words, right? You know, something that you should know is that sometimes God will make you lie down. You know, like your parents said, they make you go to bed. It's time for you to go to bed. 
You remember that? Sometimes God will make you lie down. He'll use the circumstances of life and the challenges that you face. Maybe you're on depression, your anxiety, and he'll make you lie down and focus on him and connect with him. But you can also choose to lay down as well. You know, rest, that's what this phrase is about. Rest is essential. And Rick Warren, he's been a pastor for 40 years. He's been just a significant leader in our country and in our culture. If there's ever a 70-year-old white rapper, it would be Rick Warren. He has all these amazing one-liners. One of them I want to put on the screen, it says, To give God my best requires rest. You get it. And so there's two different kinds of rest that we need. One is physical rest and the other is spiritual rest. But I want to talk about physical rest for just a little bit. Look, you need you need rest. Look, it affects your emotions, it affects your judgment, your energy, and it affects your perspective as well. Uh, you've heard this phrase, if you've been around the church for a while, you've heard this phrase from this pulpit, sometimes the most important thing you can do, the holiest thing you can do is take a nap. Now, as I'm looking out, no overachievers, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon nap, not a Sunday morning nap. And I know some of y'all out there, if I call you and it's Sunday afternoon, it's going straight to voicemail because you are getting your Sunday afternoon nap in and that's a good thing. You know, so rest is important. It really is. But sometimes we need more than just a nap, don't we? Did you know that over 40% of, 40 of Americans have experienced a sleep disorder, something that has disrupted their lives in the last 12 months? Sleep can be hard to come by. Maybe you were a little anxious the night before when you had to preach a sermon and you had to uh, relax yourself a little bit. Um, or maybe you have tension in your life and sometimes it's just hard for you to go to sleep. And I want to give you just a few practical tips to help you sleep. I want you to see these on the screen. The first thing is to go to bed on time. That's right. Your mama was right. Go to bed. Go to bed because you'll feel better. You'll be able to think better when you get sleep, here's, here's the science behind it. When you set yourself in a routine, if you really do struggle with getting rest at night, if insomnia is hard for you, going to bed at the same time every day and getting up at the same time helps immensely, helps immensely. The other thing, it's so irritating, eat healthy. I mean, who wants to eat healthy? But you know, if you stuff yourself with chocolate and down a soda right before you go to bed, it's not going to be so great for you at night, especially if you're 55 years old. Not that I have any experience with that at all. And of course, another thing is exercise. And if exercise is irritatingly, it fixes like almost everything, doesn't it? But here's what you find when you exercise. It releases endorphins in your body. It's those feel-good chemicals. It helps you relax. And when it's time to go to bed, you can actually sleep because your body has released that energy and you feel better. It also helps with your stress. And I know people who've, they've told me this. They said, my exercise routine, which I hate, I do every single day because it's better than the antidepressants that I've been taking for helping my soul feel well. So try that out as well. Now we know that one through three, they're kind of difficult and some of us might not do them. And so if those three uh, fail you, you can try the fourth one, which I call is sinking box breathing. And so box breathing, it's really simple, been around forever. You can Google it if you want, but it's basically in through the nose for three or four seconds, hold your breath three or four seconds, out through the mouth three or four seconds, hold that and repeat. And as you do that, 
as you just, you'll find your body relaxing and you imagine yourself sinking down, your head sinking down into your pillow, not sinking down into your seat, (laughs) sinking down into your pillow, sinking down into your bed. Here's what happens when you do that. Like the tension that's on your face begins to relax a little bit. Your tight shoulders, they begin to loosen up and you'll find that'll help you relax and get the sleep that you need to connect with God the next day. So there you go. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This phrase, it's about so much more than just physical sleep. It's about more than getting a nap in. It's about more than beating insomnia. Dallas Willard in his book, Life Without Lack, I love this quote. and It it really helped the light come on for me. I want to read it to you. See it on the screen. Dallas wrote, what kind of sheep lies down in a green pasture? It's a sheep that has eaten its fill. If a sheep is in a green pasture and she's not full, she will be eating, not lying down. And so, yes, we need physical rest, but we also need spiritual rest. And a better description for spiritual rest is Sabbath. You know, Genesis 2-3 says that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Now, God's not like you and me. When he works at something and he builds, he's not exhausted. God didn't need a nap. I mean, he just like said light and there was light. And so it's not like he was exhausted. And so, but God set that day apart as holy. He set set it apart for him. And so he set it apart for his pleasure. And so it's for, for you to experience him and for all of heaven to celebrate his goodness and his love. God stops at the end of six days and says, let's celebrate. Let's enjoy each other. Let's enjoy goodness and love and peace. That's what Sabbath is all about. He set that day apart for his pleasure and your pleasure. You know, Jesus talked about the Sabbath a lot in his day because the religious leaders and the culture of his day really misunderstood the Sabbath. I mean, there are some very clear laws in the Bible about the Sabbath. All these things you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to work. You're supposed to keep it holy. And so for them, they kind of got things mixed up. And we can get things mixed up too. For our day and age, it's like, well, it's the Sabbath. Well, I can't go to Chick-fil-A, you know, or I, I can't get a smash burger at Juicy Jake's or whoever else isn't open on Sunday. But the religious leaders, I mean, they had some serious list of things you couldn't do. Um, if an animal fell into a ditch, you couldn't get it out. Um, You could only take so many steps on the Sabbath, any more than that, and it was work. In fact, uh, healing on the Sabbath was breaking the Sabbath. And just guess Jesus' favorite day to do miracles was (laughs) on the Sabbath. And one day, the religious leaders and Jesus and his disciples, they were walking through a field. And so some of the disciples, they just reached out and grabbed a head of wheat and you know, just kind of rubbed the stuff off of it, popped it in their mouth because you know, they're hungry. They leave wheat in fields for people to do that very thing. And the religious leaders looked at Jesus and said, why do your disciples break the Sabbath by harvesting on God's holy day? And so Jesus summed it up. And I want to put his words on the screen because they apply to us too. Mark 2, 27 and 28, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And so God's holy day, it's made for you. It's about him. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. It's about God, but it's for you. And I didn't realize this until I was studying it, but 
But God, after he created everything, that's when he had his first Sabbath day. It was before he created Adam and Eve. God created Sabbath before he created people. He created a time for us to connect with him before he ever made us. That's how important it is. I want to read Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. I want you to see this on the screen as well. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And earlier, uh, God said through Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews, don't harden your hearts. Don't be sure to enter into this rest. We've got to enter into his presence. Come asking for him, his love and his goodness in your life. And you know what? You might just lay down and take a nap. Praise God. You just might sleep wonderfully through the night. How amazing is that? But eat your fill in God's presence. Enjoy yourself in the all-sufficient grace of God. Because the focus of Sabbath is Jesus. Not your feelings, not your emotions. Those are secondary. When you focus on him, that's when your heart gets filled. So lay down the green pastures of his love for you. Lay down the trust that the Lord will take care of you because he, he is your source. The next phrase in the second sentence in Psalm 23 is this, when it's put on the screen. It says that he leads me beside the quiet waters. And so he makes you lie down, but he leads you beside the quiet waters. So there's this whisper from God. It's quiet and it's subtle. He's saying, come to me. Come spend time with me. Come connect with me. Come, come drink, drink from me. Philip Keller, <clears throat> he wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he really draws some really cool parallels. I'm not a shepherd. I don't know any shepherds. And so he's really helped me understand this passage a little bit better. I want to put a quote from him on the screen there. He said, there is no more important quiet water than the early morning grazing of the sheep in that moisture-soaked grass. And then he wrote this. He said, sheep can go for months without drinking from a watering hole. That blew my mind. By simply eating grass drenched in dew in the morning. And we all know that the dew is best and thickest in the morning. And what a great parallel. We've seen the people of God regularly rose early to connect with God and to worship him. I love the words of David in Psalm 5.3. He says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. And Jesus, he's our ultimate example. He got up all the time before the sun came up to connect with God and pray. And so if you're going, if you're going to have your thirst quenched by God, here's some things you've got to do. Now, I'm going to put this on the screen, but it's going to be so shocking. You're going to want to write it down. It's revolutionary. You've never, ever heard it before, but here it is. Start your day. Start your day in prayer and Bible reading and worship. And you go, wow, Glenn, we've never heard that before. But I, I want you to look at it from a little bit different perspective. I want you to see the purpose behind it. Because it's not like a job you got to do. And thank you, Jesus, it is not like homework. <laughs> 
You see, the reason that you start your day with God is because that makes it so much easier to take him with you for the rest of the day because he wants to be in constant contact with you. And so when you start your day that way, it's a helpful thing. And so I know some of you, you've kind of uh, joined me in reading your Bible regularly uh, this year. Well, I'm committed to reading through the Bible this year, but you need to find something that fits you. And here's something that's really helped me a lot. I let the Bible read itself to me. You can go to Bible.com and you can download the YouVersion Bible app and you just choose a version of the Bible that has the audio with it. And they even have different voices. I can have the English, British voice, or, you know, I can have an American voice, and some of them have multiple voices. It's, it's helpful. Anyway, but the point is this. It helps me focus. If I listen, it, it, I mean, if I'm just reading the Bible with the lights down in a comfy chair with a blanket on me, um, I'm going to be resting. <laughs> and not in a good way, not in the best way. <laughs> and so it helps me to be moving. And so in the shower, driving the car, that gives my ADD brain enough of distraction that I can actually focus and listen and process things better. And so read that Bible, worship and pray. And so have a list. Maybe you don't need a list, but have some things that you bring before God. Not too long, but you want to make it doable. Don't make this thing like so difficult or so time consuming that it's so awkward for you. The important thing is consistency, all right? Do something that you can do every day. And for me, when I'm listening to God, it's an important aspect of my prayer time. Um, and it, I will admit that it's kind of hard because God doesn't like send me a text, give me a call, shoot me an email. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but he speaks to us in our minds. When God speaks to me, it sounds like me, which can be confusing. And so one of the things that helps me focus on him is, is to be up and moving. Like even preparing for this message, there are times I'm trying to hear, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to us? And I've, I've got a desk that goes up and down. Sometimes I sit, sometimes I stand, and I go up and down all day long. But when I'm really trying to hear from God, sometimes I'll be working, standing, and then I'll walk around my office a little bit. It just helps clear my mind. Now, everyone's not that way. Praise the Lord, you're not all ADD. Some of you, you need that quiet. You've got your place. That, that nice chair, the light's just right, the little blanket on your lap, and that's how you hear from God. Whatever you do to connect with God, that's what you need to do. Because God wants your heart to be full. Remember this, a sheep that's beside quiet water, clear water, is a sheep that's not thirsty. So drink your fill in God's presence. Drink of his goodness and his love. Jesus had this long conversation with this woman at a well. I want to read just a little statement of that. It's found in John 4, 13 and 14. Check this out on the screen. Jesus said, drink from me and you'll never thirst again. In fact, I'll give a fountain of living water springing up into eternal life. And then in a much more public way, in John 7, verses 37 and 39, I want you to see this on the screen. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone, don't you love that? If anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That includes you, by the way. You can come to Jesus. You can experience his goodness and his love. 
Then he goes on, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. When I read this scripture, it reminds me of how thirsty I am. How thirsty I am for God. How thirsty I am for his presence, his love, and his grace in my life. It ignites the real thirst that's deep, deep, deep inside of me. Because I've tried to quench my thirst on my own with other things. And if you're like me, there's always something missing. It's like, is that it? And Jesus, he's the good shepherd. He has what you need. He's inviting you. Come to me. Come to me. Drink deeply of me, my goodness my love, and my presence. I think that's what Jesus meant. Just listen to Matthew 5, 6. This is part of the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think it's what David meant when he penned Psalm 37, 4. He said this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. In his book, Philip Keller points out how hard shepherds have to look for good, quiet water. You see, quiet water, it's clean. It hasn't been trampled. Quiet water, it's a little further away. It's a little harder to get to. It hasn't been used by everybody else. You see, you can see through that quiet water. And it's refreshing and healthy and good. You've got to watch out for easy water. Easy water is the stuff that everybody goes to. It's the water that's right beside of the road. And if you know sheep, they eat, drink, and bleat, and they make little things that come out of the other end. And they do that all the time, wherever they're going. Walking down the road in the puddles of water by the road. Yeah, you don't want to be drinking that. So you have to think about beware of the easy water in your own life. And so where are you drinking from? Where are you trying to quench your thirst? And we all have screens. I mean, we all watch TV and use our phones. And, and I've tried to program my social media. I've actually seen miracles. I mean, like right on the street, encouraging scriptures and good quotes from teachers and Bible verses. But I've also seen some things I was sitting next to my wife and something came on my screen. I was like, oh my gosh, swipe, 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 swipe. I did not ask for that. (laughs) But the more important thing is that it can just suck us in, can it? It can. Now, some of you, uh, the reason you're stuck in the bathroom for 45 minutes, it's, it's, it's not about digestion. It's because you've got your phone in your hands. It's okay to laugh about that. In fact, uh, one of my coworkers came up to me and they're complaining that the lights went off when they were in the restroom because we got a timer, you know, the auto lights on us. And so being filled with compassion and humility and mercy, I said, well, first of all, turn your phone off. And if that doesn't work, eat some fiber. <laughs> but we all know what it's like to let to let social media or the television or whatever it may be just kind of kind of suck away our attention and our time. And it's not like you can't do it or you shouldn't do it, but you have to have balance. Know where you're drinking from. Know where your thirst is really going to be quenched. Which leads us to our last thought today. This last statement, my favorite one for the day, is that he restores my soul. 
He will restore your soul. You know, the word uh, that, that's used in the NIV, it's like refresh. And I've heard restore a lot. Um, I wasn't sure, so I thought I would look it up. And the word is shub. It's a Hebrew word, and it's a strong word. It literally means to turn back or return or turn right. And I love what Albert Barnes wrote. He's a famous commentator. He's been deceased, and his works are used regularly by so many people. He said this. He said, this means he causes my life to return. And that resonates with me. He restores your soul. He gives you back your life. He helps you be who you were really created to be. He connects you with who you really are. He saves your soul. Your soul, it's the very core of who you are. It's like the part of you that wills and chooses and wants and desires. That's your soul. He restores your soul. He refreshes your soul. Again, I'm referring back to Philip Keller's book about sheep and Psalm 23. And he said that uh, sometimes sheep can become cast. Cast is like a technical word for being stuck upside down. You know what this looks like. You've seen a turtle in the road, you know, legs in the air. You know, we've had some nice warm weather. It's been nice, but I don't know about you, but the bugs that bred really, really well this year, some of them came back out and they're like on the kitchen floor with their legs dangling in the air, you know. That's being stuck on your back. That's being cast. And one of the reasons that sheep can become cast is that they have too much wool. They haven't been shorn. In fact, uh, sheep are bred not to shed, and they will not lose their wool unless they are shorn. I want to picture, put, put a picture of Chris the sheep on the screen. This is Chris. This is a before and after. Yeah, yeah. Chris was found stumbling around in Canberra, Australia. His coat weighed 90 pounds. Chris's body weighed about 90 pounds. He was carrying all that around. Did you know that uh, the veterinarians who came to his aid, they suspect that Chris had about two weeks to live before all that weight just crushed him, took away his ability to breathe and eat. In fact, he became famous from all this. It's the heaviest fleece ever shorn off of a sheep in the history of the world. He's like Guinness, you know, world record holder there. But you can make the application to yourself. Think about you. What are you carrying around? What's on your back? What pain is weighing you down? And maybe your pain is so great that you're stuck with your legs in the air and you can't get your feet underneath you. You need to call out to the good shepherd, the good shepherd who's, who's going to come by your side, the good shepherd who's going to embrace you, the good shepherd who's going to set you free from the pain that you are in. So let God restore you from your pain. He wants to restore your soul. Friends, pain and disappointment, it's the number one reason that Christians walk away from God. Because we think everything happens for a reason. Everything is God's will. But some things that happen are awful and terrible and unjust and wicked. And they happen all the time. And some of them have happened to you. And I want you to know that God doesn't just look blindly on and, and saying, well, too bad. He's with you. He's with you in what you're experiencing. 
He's with you in your pain. Deep traumatic pain. Depression can stop us in our tracks and turn us upside down. Here's something about pain. Pain has this polarizing effect in your relationships. Families that walk through tragic circumstances, they either become that much closer together or they just fall apart. And see, what happens when they fall apart is that they look in each other's faces and they're reminded of the pain that they went through and they just can't handle it. Or they cling to each other and say, we've got each other and we're going to make it together because we love each other. The same thing is true in your relationship with God. When you look at pain in your own life, know that God is with you. Know that he cares about you. Know that he's going to carry you through those circumstances and meet you where you are, no matter what it is. So chronic pain in your body, that wears you out. Depression is exhausting. Grief feels like you can drown in grief sometimes. Or maybe there's broken friendships and broken relationships and broken families and broken marriages. And it's so heavy. Or maybe it's just disappointment. You thought your life was going to look like this and it's not. You know, the person that you're working with, you know, they, they got promoted and then they're a knucklehead. You know, you've been doing all the right things and you're still not married. It's so hard. Here's what pain does. Pain screams in your ear that God does not care. He's not with me. I can't trust him. I want to counter that lie with this truth from 1 Peter 5, 7. It's so important. I want you to see it on the screen. It says this. It says, cast all your anxiety, all your cares on him because he cares for you. I love this word cast. It's not like he didn't say, uh, just drop your worries. Just drop them on Jesus. No, you've got to throw them like Cast them down, like forcefully throw them because here's this thing about pain. It's sticky. It sticks to you. And it, it, you, that's not a good illustration. <laughs> you got to get that stuff off of you. You got to get clean of all that. You got you to throw it at Jesus' feet and let him meet you where you are. Sometimes you might need to preach to yourself. I'm doing a pretty good job preaching right now, but you're the best preacher in your life. You can preach to yourself. David did a great example of this. In Psalm 42, 11, he said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Then he said this. He said, put your trust and your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here's something else that he wrote. David said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. He had to look to the mountains because he couldn't see God around him. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Or maybe you could preach to yourself like Job. Job is one character in the Bible. If there is a king of pain in the Bible, it's Job. Marauders raided his property and killed all of his children. All of them. And then through a series of awful events, he was a wealthy man. He lost all of his possessions. And then his health just went away. In fact, he had boils all over his body. It was so bad that he broke pottery and just used those broken shards on his bleeding boils to give him some relief. It was awful. In the middle of all that, in the middle of all the questions that, that those brought up, Job spoke perhaps some of the most inspiring statement in the entire Bible. 
He said this. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. You see, that's bigger than your feelings. You need to tell yourself, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my God is with me. I know he will see me through this. He's good. He's good. He loves you. I want to put 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18 on the screen. It says this, therefore, despite all the awful things that have happened, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And this is important. For our light and momentary troubles, which don't always feel so light and momentary, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on what we feel, but on what we can't see, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, this scripture is proof that God won't waste your pain. The, the whole thing that Jeff was talking about, this pain to purpose, it's about God at work in the middle of your own suffering. Whatever it is, you can find him. You can experience him to a great degree. And he wants you to experience his goodness and his love. Because God will use your pain to shape your character, make you more like Jesus. He'll use your pain to inspire others. And if that's not good enough, he's going to make up for it in heaven. (laughs) Because when you get to see him, no matter what your pain is, you don't have to be a martyr. Your pain and suffering... You're going to cash in when you see him in heaven. That's going to be a good day. That's going to be a good thing. And so pain can hold us upside down. Something else that can hold us upside down is our guilt and shame. So let Jesus restore you from guilt and shame. Sin can feel so heavy, can't it? It weighs us down like nothing else. And you know how the tempter works. He's like in your ears. You've got to get into that. You've got to do that, say that. Feel that, experience that. You're not going to be happy unless you do that. Look, 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 God, God doesn't have your back. You're missing out. You've got, to, you've got to take that step and do that thing. And as soon as you do it, in like half a second, he's in the other ear saying, you good for nothing, you're worthless. I can't believe you did that. You should be so ashamed of yourself. God doesn't care about you. You are awful. You can't get baptized. You can't follow him. On and on and on the list goes. You see, what the devil's doing is he's taking a holy, loving thing, and that holy, loving thing from God is conviction. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Conviction isn't fun. It's not a feel-good moment, but it's an act of love. It's the God of the universe. It's the good shepherd reaching into your own disobedience and your own pain and drawing you to himself. That means, think about this, what's the best time for you to repent from looking at pornography? The second you close the browser. Maybe you struggle with drinking and you, you can't go to sleep without, you know, just hitting it and getting several drinks. And what's the best time for you to confess that before God and find healing from him when you're drunk? The best time, the best time is when the stink of sin is still on you. When, when you come to your realization that you failed God, that you've missed the mark, that's the best time for you to come to him. That's a good word. That's a good word. That's a good word. So conviction is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Because we have a good shepherd. Not only was Jesus the good shepherd, he's also our sacrifice. 
I want to read Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. I want you to see it on the screen. This is written 700 years before Jesus. And the prophet Isaiah said, Surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And here it is. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Friends, Jesus has paid the price for your sin. That wool on your back, in a second, Jesus can cut that off of you. You can come to him. He's made a way for you. Doubts, fears, worry, all of it. You can come to him right here and right now. Because when it comes to the weight of your pain and the weight of your sin, Jesus is waiting on you. You've got to give him permission. And the second you do, he comes in. His mercy is like a flood. It can't be stopped. His love is like nothing you can ever imagine. And you can experience him in his goodness, in his love. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. I want you to realize that the Lord Jesus, he is your good shepherd. And because of him, you lack nothing. And here's what he does. He, he makes you lie down in green pastures to experience his goodness and his love and his grace, to feed on him. And he leads you beside the quiet waters so that he can fill you with good things. And then... He restores your soul. He makes you whole. Helps you be who you were really meant to be. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Can we just think a little bit? How does God want you to respond today? Maybe you're just exhausted. Maybe you let the busyness of life degrade your connection to God. So think about this. What do you need to change? How do you need to get your life in rhythm and in tune with the Lord? Maybe there's some things that you need to start doing or some things that you need to stop doing. Just listen to him. He'll tell you. Maybe there's something missing in your relationship with Jesus. Have you been settling for the easy water? You keep trying what everyone else is trying, but something is lacking And so maybe together we can make our commitment to him, to drink deeply of his presence through his word, through worship and through prayer. And finally, what's weighing you down? Maybe your pain or your sin has been keeping you from God and you've realized for the first time that God is chasing after you. And maybe that's you. Maybe maybe you're ready You're as ready as you're going to be to make that commitment to Jesus. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer that we can pray together out loud. And here at Union Chapel, nobody prays alone. So everybody, pray this prayer out loud with me. And if you mean this in your heart, this is your day of salvation. Dear Jesus, 
Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you are my sacrificial lamb. You paid for my sin. You paid for my shame. You took my pain upon you. And I give it to you. Every bit of it from my whole life. And I receive your goodness. I receive your love. And I receive your healing so that I can live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, let's celebrate our friends who've given their lives to Jesus. This closing song is about good plans. Some of you need to sing this song in defiance against your feelings and what you're going through. We're also doing baptisms. I want to give you a heads up. We had no one scheduled for baptisms at 830. Three people came up. All ages, young and old. I'm talking to someone right now. You've been putting it off. The weight of your sin, the weight of your shame. I've got to get rid of this before I can take this step with Jesus. Baptism is about commitment. You can come. Today can be your day. You can put it off. That's okay. We do it every month. But you don't have to wait one more day. You can take this step. Other people have done it already. The way's already been paved. Come on up. Come on up. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jeff. He wants to invite you up.